Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Ready to go. Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow underway on this Wednesday edition. Certainly glad you're with us as we broadcast from 6th and Peabody in Music City with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Jam-packed show. They always are. Eager to get to it. Uh, Chad, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Hutton. Jim Nagy will join us. He's yes, the he will. executive director of the Reese's Senior Bowl. And uh, we'll certainly have thoughts on Ohio State, Penn State, and much more that's coming up in 20 minutes. Primary complaints each and every Wednesday later this hour will air our top grievance of the week. Clay Travis will join us in hour number two. Always uh, love having the founder of Outkick join us. We'll talk college football, Jim Harbaugh, Michigan, sign stealing, and a lot more. And we'll do the same with Andy Staples of On3, uh, the insider for college football at On3. Staples joins us at the uh, oh, two hours from right now, actually. Chad, uh, plenty, plenty to chat about with Michigan today. Well, and when we get Andy Staples on, it was his tweet post on X. I'm still having a hard time figuring out exactly what to say with that. That prompted us to look into this more. But a poster at VolQuest.com yes. with our buddies Brent Hubbs and Austin Price had this Connor Stallion scandal nailed back in December of 2022 saying that he had a family friend who was paid by Michigan and Connor Stallions to scout the Tennessee-Vanderbilt game, but backed off of that after Tennessee lost to South Carolina the week before as Michigan was scouting possible college football playoff opponents. Um, Andy Staples posted about this. There's a bigger spider web here that we can start to untangle a little bit that we'll bring up with Andy later in the show conspiracy theories in college football. One of the great things about the sport, one of the reasons I love it, is when fans' ideas, as crazy as they may sound, can become reality in the legends of different programs and the folklore of different programs. This is one of those that's going to take off. It's going to lead to people dissing the other side with this claim for years to come about what may have happened before the Tennessee-South Carolina game a year ago, what may have happened with other programs as well. We'll get into it with Andy Staples. I don't buy it, but it's fun to, to speculate. And these type of things that happen in college football, it's one of a kind, Hutton. It is one of one. I feel like it's a sport that's made for conspiracy theories like this one. And the deeper we dive into Connor Stallions and all of his activities and all of his Venmos and all of his ticket purchases and everything else, the further this thing expands across the world of college football. Chad, uh, let's, let's chat a bit here. Let's dig a layer or two deeper on a couple of questions. Let's start with this. A lot of, the vast majority of what we're seeing is about last season. And why do you think it came out now? Why did the complaints all of a sudden boil and bubble up to the surface right now? Do you think it had something to do with the way Harbaugh handled the recruiting violations 
an investigation earlier this year, publicly, where no. he was defiant. Because if you have all this and you're, if the coaches are, are leaking this and they're pissed off, why wait until Michigan is on this run right now instead of the run they were on last year where they went to the college football playoff? Why, why complain now instead of last year when everyone knew it was going on? or at least suspected it was going on. We went back, it, you know, you've got the, you've got Shiano at halftime of this year discussing it, but there's clear evidence video, and it's pretty obvious that Stallions is not trying to hide the fact that he's staring right across the field 52 yards away and looking at the signs that are, are, are being sent into the opposing quarterback and then relaying that to the defensive coordinator. I mean, it's, the, the timing of it is just intriguing for me. I don't know if it is for you. Well, and you would think that if this message board poster had a family friend, hey, my brother's friend or someone I know is being paid by Michigan to do this, if he had that knowledge and someone was speaking to that level to him, how many other people should have known about it a year ago when a lot of this was happening? That's an interesting question. I'm not sure the answer on it. My first inclination was Greg Schiano's halftime speech, halftime media interview was very weird, like he knew something was up. I thought something was happening this year with some of those beatdowns that coaches started talking, and then maybe coaching staff members, coaches like to gossip. It, it's like a, a coffee clatch when they get together. They text, they talk all the time about what's going on. I think different staff started talking to each other and had the same suspicions and heard the same rumors and knew of things. And I think that only the NCAA would move forward when there was some sort of video evidence. I think one or two of these schools provided that with whoever was at a game and whatever was going on, and that's when it took off. I don't know that the timing has anything to do with anything other than that's when they got the hard evidence they needed to go after Michigan. But I, I, I don't know that it's the three-game suspension and how he handled it. But it was, the, it, was the, it was Michigan that handled that end. It wasn't the NCAA. Because he would not agree to the negotiation with the NCAA. And so Michigan's athletic department handed down the three-game suspension. And I, normally, a, a program does that to lighten whatever is about to happen. Again, I, that's one question in, in, I've pondered over the last 24 hours. And then there's this. There is no precedent for what we're seeing here in terms of penalty and what will be the outcome of this. But more than likely, this outcome ends after Harbaugh is no longer the head coach at Michigan because he takes an NFL gig. If you're waiting on the NCAA. If you're yes. waiting on the NCAA investigation. And what happens if you are a part of the Michigan program next year or the year after or whatever penalty they want to hand down if Harbaugh's getting away with lying about what he knew or what he did not know in that statement that he sent out allegedly um and what do you do if you're the big 10 if you're Tony Petiti if you are someone that wants to flex because the NCAA in theory its perception is they don't have much power they took a step back from that in 2021. How will that be levied moving forward if you're if you know where we're headed, which is the power conference and the NCAA is trying to, you know, be a part of that, but are they a part of that? We know who's in control here. It's Greg Sankey and the Big 10 commissioner, who is Tony Petiti. 
if you want to penalize Harbaugh and the current team, would he do that? Would he step in and do that? Or if you're the Big Ten, but I say that because he would have the he would have the support of every president, chancellor, AD, coach across the board, except for Michigan in this. So he would be serving those that he is working for and speaking for on behalf of the Big Ten Conference. But you would also be hurting the Big Ten Conference for a team that can absolutely win the national championship, not just get to the playoff, but win the, win the title this year. And you would be siding with the NCAA, almost validating what they're doing in this investigation. And is that the perception that you want to portray? I don't know if Greg Sankey would do this if the if roles were reversed. He absolutely would not. But we all but he already has the power and authority and the speaking voice of the face of college football for that matter when it comes to what they're doing moving forward with the college football playoff. Everyone wants Sankey's opinion on this, what they're doing and why they want federal legislation across NIL and and why we are headed towards the the power super conference and why he believes it's uh, down the road and not immediate. Again, he's got the power. He doesn't have to flex. Does the new commissioner have to do that? Or does he sit back and just allow this to happen and then allow one of his member schools to be penalized for something that happened under Harbaugh's watch? I, 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 I'm, I would love to know what he would like to do versus what he's going to do. Well, the only way that he could act right now, if you're Tony Petiti, you go to every other member institution. And if they're all coming to you and saying, this is so far beyond the pale of anything that we would ever do. This is not common. No, none of us are sending things out. Are people looking at the other sideline during games and trying to see if they can gauge what's going on? Sure. You know, they, if they admitted to something, but not this. This is way too far, the, what he's done. I would want an assurance from Tony Petiti, from every single program and athletic director, your house better be in order on this. Because if I act right now and I suspend Jim Harbaugh for the remainder of the season, which maybe should be done, and that costs Michigan something, a playoff spot, whatever it may be, I can't have in six months everyone coming back tattletelling on the other one or the NCAA announcing an investigation into Illinois, Michigan State, Nebraska, Indiana, and everyone else because everyone's doing it. I said yesterday, the one fallback for Michigan, whether right or wrong, and I don't think this is the case, but they would have to come back and prove that this is common. Hutton has cited a story with anonymous coaches saying it is pretty common in terms of trying to steal signs. And some on the record, too. Well, the director of the College Football Coaches Association, the AFCA, came out and said, oh, I had someone do it and they video, but I didn't look at it. He sent a fan to games and then would have the fan video on his phone and send those back as a text. About as believable as Bill Clinton saying he didn't inhale right, is what right, I'm hearing with right. that. It's stupid. It makes no sense. Why would you have someone do it if, for a competitive advantage if you're not going to do it? It's as believable as Harbaugh not knowing it's that this is going It's also clearly a competitive advantage. You don't do it if it's not. This was the argument from Patriots fans. Oh, it's what's going on with Spygate. Ah, it's not a big deal. You're not really getting much from that. Everything's on film. It, no, you're doing it because it gives you an advantage. You're not going to that effort and going out of your way to circumvent a rule unless it gives you a competitive advantage. So let's cut that out right now. The only way Michigan does not look awful here and the only way Jim Harbaugh continues to have a job coaching college football 
is if there is proof and or admission from various other programs that they're up to the same stuff. And I'm not talking about, you know, under the cloak of darkness, friends of the program, not wearing the gear, happening to tell some coach about what they've seen or what's going on. I'm talking about an orchestrated program led by a director of intelligence hired from the U.S. Naval Academy as a Marine to run ops for your football program. That's what went on here. With the amount of tickets he purchased, with the amount of games he attended, with the people he was sending out, him standing next to the offensive coordinator in one moment, then the defensive coordinator next, this was an organized operation. And obvious. So I you've I, how gotta, do you not notice this last you've year? You've got to prove, and maybe they needed it happening multiple times in order to prove it, or someone got the video evidence they needed, along with the ticket stubs, along with the purchase, which was foolishly made in Connor Stallion's name. But those, but a those, lot of these instances, those didn't come out until after the NCAA alerted the Big Ten and Michigan of the investigation, and then Michigan suspended Connor Stallions, and then then the media started looking for Connor Stallions. On the Michigan sideline. I don't know that the media here's here's where my faith is in media today, right? I don't think the media looked for anything. I think they got this from the investigation. I think whoever's that's, reported Michigan is turning over evidence they already had. No, or someone from the NCAA. That's what I'm saying. That you've got the you've got the local reporters that are on the sideline with the local news cameras that you can see in the background, there's Connor Stallions yeah. next to the defensive coordinator. That's oh, all I'm saying. No, like, I'm saying the like the ticket purchases, ticket purchases, things like that, where the 30 games he attended and all that. I think that's coming from the report or what the NCAA knows. That's either being tipped off by the school that reported it or the NCAA is tipping and, that off to a reporter is, yeah. is probably what's going on. It looks like they have them. Now, the only issue is, which this, I, I can't even believe I'm saying this, Arnie Palmer the Tennessee message board poster who apparently has this nailed in a January post claims the one rule is no one talks to Jim Harbaugh about it, that they never make direct contact with Jim Harbaugh. Plausible deniability, two words that are important with a lot of different issues, plausible deniability. Jim Harbaugh may have that. Now it's up to the NCAA or Tony Petiti, as you brought up Hutton and the big 10 to decide, do you buy that? Because you can say, no, I don't care that we don't have texts from someone. I don't, you hired this guy. It's your program. There have been plenty of instances where even if there's not direct written communication or solid proof that it doesn't matter because you're the head of the program and the old you should have known clause, even if you're claiming ignorance, you should have known that your coordinators and assistant coaches were communicating with a guy on your staff paid by you and your program that was out illegally scouting on site. I don't see this ending well for Jim Harbaugh. Hutton, a great question you raised, though. When does it not end well for him? Does it matter because he's already taken an NFL job after Michigan wins a national championship this season and they later try to take down some banner from them? It's or, does all it happen, happen. or does it happen this year? Not at, not at the NCAA's pace. The only way you really punish them is do something this season. And you take out because this is a possible national championship season and then, that could be derailed. And then the NCAA takes out uh, the Big Ten's, possibly the Big Ten's payout for the college football playoff, which I'll, is again, I, I think there's two things at play here. Number one, I think a lot of coaches aren't stepping up because and saying anything, say we didn't do it to this extent because it's going on more than we know. 
and I, I think that's the, the only difference is if Power Five School A shows up, they're not wearing the gear. Connor Stallions is wearing the Michigan uh, maize and blue while he's while he's doing all this uh, on on location. I think that's the that's the main difference. And you've even got the you know you've got the head of the the coaches association saying that he did it with a fan. I, I and it also the rule book is so vague. More or less, what it says, you can't do this. You can't scout offsite. So you can stand up there and look for signals from the press box, yeah, and then re- relay it down or yeah. go go to the coach's booth and relay it down, and then tell the coach in the headset in real time what the play is. Or I mean, again, it's. You can't steal signs. Uh, there's nothing vague about it. Oh, it's very it, It's a very clear-cut rule. You what's, can't, the, what's the penalty? You can't scout off-site. And what's the penalty for it? Well, you said the rule's vague. The rule's not vague. It says right there, you can't scout off-site. With, with, they could do all that with on-site. Cameras, with cameras. Yeah, I don't know what they say about in-house with cameras and, and video equipment, but you can't scout off-site. Jim Nagy scouts. He joins us next. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. We'll get back to the Michigan and sign-stealing discussion coming up. Jim Nagy will join us in a, a matter of minutes as well. The executive director of the Reese's Senior Bowl. They had uh, today a big scouting meeting. All the scouts for the Senior Bowl in Mobile that wrapped up about an hour or so ago. And we'll go through the process of and the detail of what was going on all weekend for for him as they decide who they want to uh, invite out to the Senior Bowl in February and all the solid players that he was able to see this weekend and over the uh, course of this upcoming weekend. Senior Bowl getting a shout-out on uh, Football Night in America also, but Tyson Bajan. Yeah. That um, he was asked, you know, when did you know? uh, I think it it was either that or Peter King's column I was reading where he was asked, when did you know that maybe you had a chance in the NFL or could play at this level? And he didn't really want to answer. He's like, I don't know that I've ever thought about it in those ways. And then was pressed for an answer and said, it was probably at the Senior Bowl. It was the first time that I really got the reassurance that maybe I could, I could make this happen. So nice shout-out for Jim Nagy on that one. Yep, well, it'll join us momentarily. Chad, the, uh, the parody in Major League Baseball was clearly evident throughout the season and postseason where we have the World Series matchup, where it's now Arizona taking on Texas. What did parity end up determining this year for MLB? Yeah, look, it's um, what it produced was a Rangers team that not many coming into the season thought had a chance, right, to, to, to make this work and to get to the World Series. What it also produced was a Diamondbacks team that for the, sec- the first time since 1987 – became a team to get to the World Series with a negative run differential over the course of the year. They were minus 15 over the course of the season. 
The New York Mets, who were terrible this year, had a better run differential than the Arizona Diamondbacks at minus 12 for the season. And here they are. Last team, by the way, to do it, 1987 Minnesota Twins, won the World Series in seven games uh, that season. So, you know, it, it, it certainly can, can happen that way. And I'm looking right now at payrolls across Major League Baseball. Hutton, the Arizona Diamondbacks are 23rd in baseball. There's 30 teams in Major League Baseball. The Texas Rangers top 10, but are 8th okay. in payroll. And the Phillies were top 5? Yeah, Phillies, uh, and I'm looking right now at projections for 2024. Number 1 for 2024. Okay. Number 2, the New York Mets, two teams in the same division. Point being, for years and years, the knock on baseball was, ah, the small markets have no chance. If you don't have an owner with deep pockets, a billionaire that's willing to risk all of their fortunes, to buy players and get the top free agents, you shouldn't even be competing or thinking about a World Series championship. That's changed a lot over the years. We've seen organizations that are smarter, that draft better, that are more well-run, that have consistency, that have chemistry. They advance deep in the postseason. They make things happen when money doesn't make it happen or when money's not as readily available as some other franchises across Major League Baseball. So, Major League Baseball has craved that parity. Yes. They've wanted, they've desired that ability to remove themselves from the narrative that it's simply a pay-for-play type deal. And if you got the money, good, you're going to win a lot. And if you don't, you suck. You're not going to win much. Forget about it. That's been the knock on baseball. Well, now here we have it. Rangers, Diamondbacks, World Series. Exactly what everyone who would want to say that Major League Baseball has good parity would, would want. In a, in a World Series matchup, the problem is the television ratings will show that not many people want this. So Major League Baseball gets the parity they want, and they get a Diamondbacks-Rangers World Series that I think will fail miserably in, with television ratings. Yeah, and the ratings have been down since 2020. 2019, uh, 13.9 million average. Uh, last year, 11.7. That was the lowest since 2020, which was 9.7. You know what helped the ratings? Yankees Dodgers sure yeah that's the sad reality of it as much as people want to bitch and moan about the, the rich getting all the players and making it happen the best possible thing to happen for Major League Baseball in the World Series for interest is Yankees Dodgers Jim Nagy joins us the executive director of the Reese's Senior Bowl he's been locked in scouting meetings for the last two and a half days uh, and uh, comes out of the the scouting cave to join us Jim how are you man I am good. I'm tired of hearing myself talk, though. So, uh, <laughs> so hopefully you guys will you'll carry me this how, this segment. Oh, no this doubt. Time. No, we doubt. get to hear you talk now, so that's different <laughs> yeah. than you've, you hearing yourself. So you've that's carried perfect. us for weeks here. So, yeah, uh, yeah absolutely. Uh, go. Let's start there. Um, how many players are you guys going through in these scouting meetings? Uh, a couple hundred at least, probably two fifty uh, around that. I don't know. It's a good question. We should go over the board and see how many we went over. A lot. Um, you know, cause we, we cover everyone that, that has, you know, a draftable level grade. Um, and there's variance on those grades, you know, we'll have multiple scouts, look at, look at every player. So there's, that's really what we're going over. I mean, when we see guys, uh, the same, um, there's not a lot of, it's not a lot to talk about. Um, it's more about the guys we have grade variance on. So, so that's what these meetings were about. And then uh, if we needed to get another look, um, we, we sent some guys off the call to uh, do a little more tape, but, uh, yeah, now the next process, um, before I before I pop down here to do this, I'm reaching out to some NFL teams. I got to get some calls set up. We usually 
We usually jump on calls with about half the league, 16, 17, 18 teams a year. And then uh, now that we've got the board set, kind of how, how we like it, how we see it, uh, now it's time to compare notes uh, with the NFL teams. And again, the end goal is to bring players they want to see here to Mobile. So uh, that's kind of the last stage before we invite. Can you give us a player or two that you, you're sending scouts out for, for a, another look or a deeper evaluation on? Oh, geez. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, we we are going to go through the quarterbacks a little bit. Okay. Um, you know, there's we we had pretty good consensus on like the top four or five, and then uh, you know, they, the other thing we talked through is are we going to bring six? Or are we going to bring eight? Um, usually, we struggle to get to six that we feel really good about. In this year's class, there's there's probably more than eight. So um, so yeah, we're going to do a little more work on those guys. How cool is it for you uh, when uh, Tyson Bajent? becomes a story for winning a game as a starting quarterback in the NFL and knowing that you guys knew who he was, uh, but I doubt many knew who he was. And now here he is on a roster with the Chicago bears and because of injury, getting a chance to start and in interviews mentioning the senior bowl experience is a big part of why he's starting for the Chicago bears right now. Yeah. I mean, the cool part is, is getting to know Tyson and his family and then just knowing you know, what, a, what an awesome moment that was for him. I think he brought like 50, 50 family members something or something like that, yeah. to Chicago last week. Some the six, game 60 and, uh, plus. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it, and again, he's, he's great, great young guy and, and, and his family's awesome. And I uh, had a chance to reconnect with his head coach, coach Ernie McCook this week. Um, Peter Schrager actually reached out to have him on his podcast. He's like, do you know the head coach? Can I get his stuff? Um, so it's cool to talk to coach again. Um, I went up there. It was really about a year ago this time where I flew up to Shepherdstown and and did the invite. So, so yeah, I mean, I was driving home from Auburn um, over the weekend, had that on Sirius radio, listening to the game. And, and again, it just, you know, I knew, I, I'm not going to sit here and say I knew Tyson would, you know, put up 30 points and, and win the game and all that, but I knew it wouldn't be too big for him. Uh, he is a, he's a really confident kid and, and credit his dad. Uh, you know, his dad's gotten a lot of the spotlight for being the world uh, arm wrestling champion and the, the video of him, you know, whooping Tom Pelissaro has, has made its rounds on social media. And that was, that was a fun time last year down in Mobile, but, um, give his dad a lot of credit, man. He raised a confident young man. Um, and that's why that kid, kid could go out in soldier field the other day and, and perform the way he did. What was your scout on, on Will Levis last year? And, uh, he, he's scheduled to make a start for the Titans, his first of his career, uh, where the reports are he's the starter over Malik Willis since Tannehill can't go against the Falcons. Uh, from one rookie who just made his first start in Bajant to Levis, what do you make of Levis's overall makeup? Yeah, we liked Will a lot. Um, he was one of our, our top-graded quarterbacks last year. I think he, I think he was our top-graded senior quarterback, and he was dealing with, a, say it was a foot or something. Um, you know, sometimes guys will have injuries that keep them out of the game, and, and – uh, Will's agent is uh, a friend of the program, if you will. Uh, trust him a lot. So I know Will wasn't wasn't able to come down here and compete. Um, but you like the physical stuff. You really like the arm talent. Um, he can really he can really throw it. You know, I think uh, I think the question will be, and why he probably slipped to the second round was, uh, you know, just some of the instincts, some of the processing. So it'll be interesting. Whereas, like that's what Tyson Bajent had in spades. He was very very instinctive player. Um, reminded me of Tony Romo, uh, when I scouted him, whereas Wills is, you know, the game sped up pretty fast when Will got, when Will got pressure, whereas Tyson, it, it just stayed slow for him. Um, so I'll be interesting to see in his first NFL start, um, 
you know how it goes, but certainly a lot of physical talent, big, strong, strapped up guy can really throw it. Um, so we, so we'll see how it goes, but, uh, I'm pulling for him. He was, uh, I got to know him a little bit during the process last year. Great guy. Uh, really hope, really hope he goes out and plays well for the Titans. A couple of big games this past weekend featuring a lot of guys that were on your preseason watch list for the Reese's Senior Bowl. The early one, the big noon kickoff, was Ohio State and, and Penn State. Uh, a defensive battle in that game. I know there's some big offensive linemen you got your eye on in that one. What was your big takeaway watching those players but also watching those two teams face off? Uh, yeah, a lot of NFL talent. I saw, um, I want to say it was Dane Brugler from the athletic put something out where like he tiered the players, like top 10 guys, top 20 guys, top hundred guys in that game. And there, I think he had like 20 players that could go in the top hundred and based off his rankings and Dane does a great job. Um, so yeah, a lot of talent. Marvin Harrison jr. Obviously was the guy watching on TV that, that popped out. Um, there's a reason why he's being talked about as a, as a top five player for this year's draft. And then just a lot of really good matchups. You know, it was really good defensive football. I think that Marvin Harrison Jr. and, and some of the other guys on the offensive side, um, you know, kind of overshadow what's being played, you know, defensively at Ohio State. They had a bunch of guys step up. You know, they've got they've got Tommy Eichenberg and Steel Chambers at linebacker. I thought both those guys played well. Uh, Lathan Ransom and uh, Josh Proctor at safety for Ohio State. Really good up the middle of that defense. I thought Ohio State's defense played great. Uh, the other big game, Tennessee-Alabama, uh, another game with a lot of guys on your watch list. Specifically, I want to ask about two guys for Alabama, one defense, one offense. Malachi Moore as a defensive back in that star position for Nick Saban and Jace McClellan at running back. Yeah, so Jace made, you know, there wasn't a lot of wild plays from Jace, but, man, he just, he just kept, him, kept him ahead of the chains and cranked out yards, and when they needed a couple runs – he made those runs. He's, he's kind of a steady guy. He's not, there's not like a wow factor of some of the Alabama backs that have come before him, but he is the next guy in line. He is going to play at the next level. I do think he's a three down player. Um, and then, and then Malachi Moore, uh, you know, they had, they had Brian branch last year who uh, everyone's making a big deal that he slipped to the second round. He didn't run a great 40 time. Um, and I don't know how fast Malachi is going to be. I think Brian's a twitchier athlete. I think a lot of teams are going to project Malachi more to safety at the next level because he is a he is a real controlled mover more than a twitchy mover, really instinctive. He really relies on his eyes to make plays. Um, and so I think a lot of teams will see him more as a free safety than a nickel, which is what he's basically been at Alabama. I think most teams will project him uh, to the back end of the defense. Oregon and Utah with uh, certainly some, some NFL caliber talents. Uh, they face off this weekend, Jim. Um, we haven't talked a lot about Utah throughout the the season. Certainly, we featured... we never do. Yeah. So, <laughs> so uh, tell us about the Utes and and who you might have an eye on. Plus, uh, of course, Oregon with the firepower. There's a reason why they're favored on the road. Yeah, we never talk about Kyle Whittingham's team, do we? Until no. we get to the Rose Bowl, and then then we talk to him once they get to Pasadena. We talk about him, but no, they're. They're, uh, you know, they play a brand of football out there in Salt Lake that uh, would really carry over well uh, east of the Mississippi. They could, they could move out here and, and play big boy football. They're tough. They're physical. Uh, coach Witz, you know, you talk about most underrated coaches in the country. I mean, he's on the, you can count them on one hand. I mean, this guy, he gets those guys ready to play every year. And uh, I think what's being overlooked right now, here they are. You could tell me, I don't know what they're ranked. I know they're ranked up there high. And 13. they've done it without Cam, 13. And they've done it without Cam Rising, um, who is a, one of the best senior quarterbacks coming back in the country. 
uh, really good player. And Cam hasn't even been on the field. So, uh, you know, they've got a, a, a right tackle. Uh, I, his name is, I think it's LeMay. Um, I don't know how you pronounce it. I got to learn his name because he's a really, really good player. Uh, but yeah, no, they're, they're talented. They've got players on both sides. So we could go through, they've got five, six, seven guys that we talked about over the last couple of days in our meetings. Um, you know, and they got, they got an Oregon football team coming in that needs a win. Um, didn't play great last week coming off that loss to Washington. They, they did enough to win. Um, but this is a big one. Um, this is a big one for Dan Lanning's team. Uh, final 15 seconds here. You go anywhere this weekend? Uh, you know, I've been locked in these meetings. I don't know where I'm going. Okay. Uh, it's a bad answer. I wish I knew. Well, you get to I've decide, to, right? You, you make the decision. We've been, uh, yeah, we've been all locked up. So, uh, I know that Louisiana Lafayette comes here to South Alabama. I might just go out there and, and, uh, have it a home game and go out there and see those guys. Louisiana Lafayette's got a, an offensive lineman we need to look at. And that's how you find the, the Tyson Bajans right. of the senior bowl right <laughs> there. Uh, Hey, thanks so much for the visit, man. Uh, get some rest. I know it's been a, a long two days or so. Yeah, guys, thanks for having me on. Have an awesome weekend. Same, thanks, Jim. Same, same to you. There's uh, Jim Nagy of the Reese's Senior Bowl. Always brings it. And as we near the back half of the college football season, things will crank up for the draft as well, all the rumors and everything else that goes along with those quarterbacks. Coming up, primary complaint right here on Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sixth and Peabody, our broadcast location. Now kick studio here for Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow. Yeehaw beer, old smoky moonshine. Always great, Chad. Never at, a bad day for either one of those products. Never. Uh, throwback with the USFL. Yeah. I'm honoring the merger with this uh, shirt. <laughs> I, I don't, we don't have the logo yet for what USFL, XFL will yeah. look like with the front office sports report, but... Um, this is a collector's item now, possibly, if this logo goes away with whatever the new... It, but maybe it will be USFL, and they're actually maybe, swallowing up the XFL. Don't know yet. Maybe they uh, will... I mean, props to them for actually calling it a merger, unlike Live Golf and the PGA Tour. It's a fun time in Birmingham, Hutton. It's a throwback to the memories of, of Birmingham doing shows there, going down for those games. Yep. You hanging out with Jeff Fisher, coach of the Michigan Panthers at the time. Fun, fun times. Wanted to honor that with this USFL polo shirt. That I soon will be placing for sale on eBay for money when it's a collector's item. Keep that. Yeah. yeah. When they do the 30 When I 30. say soon, like 30 years from now. Yeah. <laughs> Vintage USFL polo in the second iteration. You hand it down to your children. From 2021 through 2023 before the merger. Get your vintage USFL coaches polo right here on eBay. That's what I'll be selling 30 years from now. Coming up, if uh, I'm still alive. we'll get into uh, the World Series matchup and much more. Plus, Tell Clay me. Travis joins us uh, uh, shortly. But first, it is time for Primary Complaint. It's time to air our top grievance of the week. You can complain all you want. My job is so unfulfilling. Don't run away from your feelings. It's time for Hot Mike's 
primary complaint. Guys, my primary complaint this week is just the overuse of coaching malpractice. I hear this over and over and over again, and it's after every terrible decision by any coach across the country at any level. I don't know if we need to say negligence or just say this was awful, but coaching malpractice is used as much as the word narrative is used for any opinion or uh, the, the assumption that you're pushing the agenda of said program coach university or uh, company. I've, coaching malpractice, use it, but just let's use it less. It's my primary complaint. I feel like um, <clears throat> when I talk about this, one of those old school crusaders against uh, different things for, for censorship to save our children of America. You, know, you got to get rid of this and get rid of that because we got to protect the, the children and protect society. But I really don't care right now because when I turn on Monday Night Football and I'm watching the Vikings and the 49ers after coaching an 8U softball game and my kids are at the dinner table, the last thing I expect to see the moment they go to commercial is a trailer for a kid's horror movie titled Five Nights at Freddy's. The description of Five Nights at Freddy's, according to Wikipedia, this is the one-paragraph summary, a troubled security guard begins working at Freddy's Fosbear's Pizzeria. While spending his first night on the job, he realizes the late shift at Freddy's won't be so easy to make it through. This is a horror movie based on a video game designed where the animals, the playful animals from Chuck E. Cheese, kill people. They're putting this during Monday Night Football which at one point I thought the NFL was a family-friendly audience. When you go to that and someone's watching with little kids around, what it forces the parents to do is to go earmuffs and cover the eyes of children that are watching or scramble and search for the mute function or to turn the television off. That should not happen during major televised events in primetime. I'm all for advertising your sicko horror movies. Do it on YouTube. Do it wherever else you want late night or at horror-adjacent shows where you're going to get it. I also don't like going to the movie theater for Mission Impossible and seeing a trailer for the new Exorcist movie. It's completely out of place with that. Find the right avenues to market these things instead of exposing them to children. Only parents out there will understand what I'm talking about, but parents all right now are nodding their head. Yes, absolutely. You're spot on correct. That is my primary complaint. Sounds like malpractice. <laughs> well Chad, played. I am also going out there on a limb for the kids. You know, they say Wu-Tang is for the kids. Well, Hot Mike is for the kids. And I was just thinking about, I saw there's a school district that is, getting rid of just snow days in general, which it makes sense now, but they're just going to be turned into virtual learning days. So kids don't get to experience snow days anymore. And I look back on my fond memories as a child, waiting the night before thinking a storm's going to come through and there's a good chance that I'm not having to go to school or on like a, even a, a bad case scenario. It's kind of not great weather for the buses to get out early, so we might get an hour or a two-hour delay. Kids these days don't get to experience that, and I feel for them. So for that reason, that's my primary complaint. That is very sad to me. 
that now because of technology we can have virtual learning days and kids don't get to experience snow days. Now what I do want guardrails against, which I think is happening, is the extreme on the other end where school districts are real quick, not just school districts, private schools do it too, real quick to call those snow days way in advance because they have built-in days. They're going to take off anyways. Uh, That also, again, this is old dad talking, that puts the parents at an inconvenience when those things happen. Well, from the – so, Davey, not knowing the the schedule here, the calendar, would that allow them to potentially – get out earlier so you're out during or, or do they take a two-week holiday where you potentially is snowing you see what i'm saying not not necessarily i, I mean again like i'm sure it's going to vary from school district to school district i know whenever i was a kid there were 10 days that had been built up that we could use on but i guess you just go to school if if that's not the case or they're going to continue learning, which I don't have a problem with that. I mean, as, as if, if I were to get up on my horse, I think as America, we're kind of falling behind and making the kids go to school. I mean, you look at the kids in China. I mean, it's like they get, what, two days a, a year? Yeah, we're way uh, falling behind so there. It's, I don't exactly view that as a terrible thing, but I get it as far as the, the adulation of knowing oh. that you were out of school for snow. Yeah, it's just Especially, that feeling. And look, I, the, the other thing, too, it's not even like country to country. Think of it from just region to region where if there's a dusting, if there's a chance of snow yeah. here, school's out. And in, you know, the, in, in the Northeast, like, uh, good luck, you're going. Very, you know, school's yeah. not out. Very litigious society to where the school districts don't even want to have to risk it, uh, especially with whenever they're providing public transportation. I work uh, part-time at a private institution and, like, unless there was a blizzard, they weren't getting out because, I mean, it was on the parents to get them to school in a lot of those situations. The weather wasn't bad enough to where people could not drive. I, I do know, uh, growing up in East Tennessee, one of the bigger problems, and a lot of people up north don't get this, but before we would get snow, you would just get ice. You can't drive on ice. A little different. Yeah, and there's no, there's not a lot of salt for the roads here. They don't, they don't yeah, uh, it's, buy it's, it up. It's here. a different a difference in preparation. Like, states up north, they have all the – all the things, all the salt, all the vehicles to clear the roads quickly. Every day. So they don't have snow days. Like it's, my nieces in Nebraska laugh about snow days down here. They don't have them. But here's what they do. They start school later and they oh, end earlier because they right. don't have built-in snow days. So, Hutton, to your point, your question about, you know, is it are they getting on the back end or the front end if right. they're not having the snow days, that, that should be a consideration also. Summers are also way shorter now, too. And I think in large part in the South, it's for that reason because they're going to get to those snow days they have penciled in. Whether it snows a lot or not, they're going to get to those days one way or the other. Um, Here's my other conspiracy on this. A a sickness day. I think that I've seen school called for sickness, like rampant sickness through the school. And I think that's another clever way to get to those built-in, out-of-office days for teachers. They, Which, look, I'm all for teachers having days off or time off also. It's not a job I envy or I would want, but I think there's different ways to skin that cat to get days off when you have a long school year. They could do that. When I was in school, if 30% of the student body was not able to attend, like if they had called okay. in or whatever, that's that whenever the they'd be like, hey, we're going to be out to clean the school and uh, give everybody a little bit of chance to heal up. That'd be a good sickness. way to, um, especially for high school kids, to orchestrate a day off for everyone. If you had the numbers of your school, especially if you're at a smaller school, you get with your buddies now in a text chain, and you say, on this day, 
if these people all call in sick, the whole school gets out because this would equal the percentage of what they have to do to call the school day. My freshman year of high school, we, like the first week, everyone was sent home for suspicious fumes, smells. I, I never... Axe body spray. Whoever smelt it, dealt it, I, I'd never... I didn't smell anything. Kids were like getting headaches. Teachers were getting headaches. And they did this week-long test. They had no idea what it was. They didn't know if it was the, like someone, you know, uh, set something off. Or if it was like it, the county I, I, where I lived was practically, it was the entire county's on top of a cave for the most part uh, called Cumberland Caverns. And it's, you know, people thought it was coming from the cave. No, they still to my knowledge, never figured it out. We had a full week off a week after we started school, and that affected the calendar going back to the snow days. We ended up having, they threat, the threat was we're going to have to go over the, the allotted time to get our days in or go on weekends. We never did that. Well, what's funny about... We just took the test. And, and I think, you know, be done with you it. don't realize this as a kid when they're making the decision to call the school day for your, for your entire county. Yeah. You know, you're watching the local news and the, the weather report, weather comes on for snow. You get really excited and you're seeing if, if your county has the snow going over it, we are going to be out of school. And as a kid, I always think, man, there just must be some huge machine making this decision. There's probably 55 people in on it and they have to vote so many people and there's specific protocols in place for how we're calling school. And, as you get inside of certain things, I just realized, no, it's like two people just talking on the phone school that are on the school board. It's a school superintendent. Right. It's one member. Called a buddy of his out in the rural area. Yeah. Asked, hey, or what does it look a, like outside? It's, it's them talking with on a group call or something with a rep on the school board with the superintendent, and they're looking at a forecast just like we would. They have no – they don't – they're not privy to any more weather devices that we don't have. And they're looking at it and saying, oh, we got some snow up here on the plateau. What's the feels like? School's out. There? School's out. We're calling it. Or just, you know, I don't think our, I think our parents, uh, or not our parents, I think our teachers need a morale day. So let's go ahead and call it because we're, it's predicted to get a dusting up here close on these hills. Man. So we're going to go ahead and call school for Local everyone. news, man. They love two things, weather and school closings. Because everyone's tuned in. And if you have the right mascot for it, all the kids want to watch that one mascot. It's yet another thing that social media has stolen, I think, in many ways from television, is I've never thought to watch local news now for snow updates because it comes to my phone. Because they, I follow school systems that I need to or the school that my child goes to, and I'm going to get the update right there immediately. Or the text. You get an automatic text from your school when it happens. Davey, you were uh, watching the, the NHL version of NFL Red Zone last I, I night, did. right? I did, yes. How, so, how was this? Because I don't know how they would handle going to the right game at the right time. So uh, last night, Frozen F Frenzy, which is uh, what ESPN essentially did, where they had all 32 NHL teams play on the same day, and they were staggering the start times to where they were able to go and, zo or I guess, tune in to each individual game. It it's not comparable to red zone in the fact that you, you know, like, Oh, they might score here. Now, if there was a power play, they would go in and Shoot make sure out. to give you the access. Yeah. There. yeah. There were, uh, there were a couple of games that went to overtime. Okay. And, and so you were able to kind of get the sneak peek in there and they had a uh, John Bucci Gross, uh, long time sports commentator. He's this? Yep. Oh, that's cool. Uh, and so he was kind of going through it. They did a thing where they had Scott Hansen, um, end up 
doing like a little promo video because they're trying to get that same feel of red zone. I, I mean, it's a neat concept. I, I think yeah. uh, one of the things I I've, I've did this year that I've, I've never done in the past, but I had some friends talk me into doing fantasy hockey. So whenever you have those implications, it was really fascinating to kind of keep tabs on different players. I, I'd like to see them do it more. I'd be curious to see if, if the MLB were to try out something like that or the NBA for that matter. But I anticipate this will happen again soon because it seemed like it was a success based off the initial uh, go at it. This is made for the NBA. I think more than any other sport. I think this concept would work well with the NBA. No doubt. Coming up, the World Series is set and is a retirement happening. That's next on Hot Mike.